let's just talk about the sex toys that got hacked. Don't you censor me. And just acknowledge I'm you. I'm censoring you right now. Episode talking right. about it. Yeah, Samson's going to be a yeah. future. Let's just make say, it We'll a have a future F- X, uh, After Dark episode where we explore the science fiction implications of <laughs> electronically controlled sex toys. And then I'll call you a liar because I'll because we all know you're just going to spend an hour on Amazon looking at weird sex toys. positive. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. I'm Charles. I'm Seth. I'm Chris. And we're missing Jenna today. She had some other things to take care of. But uh, it's probably a good thing because uh, we thought we'd start off with a uh, warning that might be of interest to some of the nerds uh, that listen to our podcast out there. we uh, saw a uh, article about uh, hackers that um, are taking over these remote controlled chastity cages. <clears throat> and um, Seth, I think, um, brought this article to light. I don't know, Seth, if you've had any experience with negative experience with chastity cages being <laughs> taken over by hackers. I don't how- want to talk about it, but <laughs> every. If we, uh, this is a, seems like a good opportunity to bring up our new Patreon. Please donate. Please donate quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Seth has some, some hackers to pay off. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So apparently, uh, according to the story, hackers took control of uh, men's electronic chastity cages. And, so these uh, cages are Wi Fi accessible? Hostage. Yes. yes. Yeah. They're apparently controlled by a cell phone. App control. There's an app for that. There's an app for <laughs> non, a non-password app with control of your junk. I, I'm guessing that Steve Jobs did not foresee this when he said that there was an app for that. And it's like all of my accounts are going two-factor, and they're not even going to put one password on this thing. <laughs> right. Right. I, I think I'd want like 10 factor authentication if I had one of these. I do not right. get locked out of mine. Well, okay, so that's you'd have 10 safe words for your for your <laughs> your junk cage. I would. Hey, that that seems like a pretty good app that should be created to protect uh, these sex toys. Just call it Safe Words app, and uh, there you, know. you go. Yeah, I like it. I think uh, I think we might have to explore this topic in greater detail in an After Dark episode at some point. What do you guys think of that? I pass. I quit the show. <laughs> Maybe we can get uh, Jenna. You will be, you'll be there and Jenna you'll like and Linda it. to weigh in on this too. Oh, ooh, you don't have to be there, but you could you could wear a hood and we can call you Sean. <clears throat> I quit the show twice. 
<laughs> and and you could relay your real life experiences yeah, anonymously. Yeah. Have a weather mask that you unzip, and it's just like Sean's going to tell us all about it. <laughs> and that's three times. On a serious note, um, there was an article about um, some advances in AI now, where they can actually take a short snippet of audio and from that reconstruct fairly accurately an image of the face that that audio belongs to which raises of course some security concerns because think of how many places your voice can be recorded and you know, i would or, use fairly accurately loosely well yeah i mean it was surprising yes but beyond a doubt provable we'll talk about it we'll talk about it yeah from the images that you showed um i don't think so i don't think that this is ever going to be able to yeah well maybe not ever but at least right now well it's in it's... the beginning stages but i think um even yeah. in the beginning stages uh, it's far more accurate than I would have expected it to be just from in that, the sound of fair. a voice. Yeah. But when you say accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, look, looking at the at the images, and here, let me, uh, I'm going to throw this up on the screen here. Yeah, show, put the image, show the image that you shared in our Discord. Yeah, all right, here we Did go. Did you share it, or where'd you put it? So to, to, to have an understanding, though, this... So there, this so you see that software. So used. would you say accurate, or would you just say it got their race right, their race and well, gender? Well, I would say race and gender definitely correct. Well, hold on. Well, are there other examples? It's like an example of one isn't actually. Well, it's almost like saying all black people look the same or whatever. Uh, except you're doing it by sound bites, but so you've taught AI to be racist. Well, I guess actually, if you look at Reddit, AI already knows how to be racist. But yes, well, here's the thing: where this software works by feeding sample data that it has provided. So it's right. it's not like it it took voice samples and, and made up faces. It's it's taking I think you said uh, looks like a hundred thousand oh, voice pairs extracted from YouTube. So your sample data is based off of YouTube and varying voice qualities of mics and things like that to recording True. various video qualities for face faces shown lighting and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's impressive what it can do. However, it, as far as how much trust or where uh, it can be used, I wouldn't think that this would get very far. No, but I think so I it think was given a basic set of morphologies in terms of how faces look and then it just chooses. Well, yeah. So what about, what, what if they came across a video of a uh, um, a uh, a voice actor, right? Someone who can manipulate, change their voice or an accent or something like that. The, the one thing I want to talk about, mm -hmm. real, touch on real quick is with AI and machine learning, that sample data that it's provided when it's going through learning is crucial, especially if it's using like a, a neural network kind of thing. There's a lot of different points and that one point of bad data ultimately affects the long term of, of how accurate it's going to be. So feed it garbage, going to get garbage in result. And I think that that's key when looking at this is um, I think I think 
the study is going in a good direction. They're pulling from information that's obviously inexpensive to do. They're pulling from YouTube videos to get voice and faces, but I think their sample set would be better served in, in actually sitting people down, recording their, their face out, outside of YouTube with the same type of mic and everything like that. Um, but then control, you know, again, you, it only takes a handful out of the 100,000 videos, you need 50 or 100 maybe, you know, of uh, poor uh, data samples. And I think that's where you start to see some of the oddities in that link that was shown where you have like, uh, is it Daniel Craig showing up as like yeah. an 80 year old woman or something? It's just bizarre. Yeah. But I think um, it might have some uses for law enforcement. If you all you had was an audio clip of maybe a murderer or something calling into the police to claim credit uh -huh. for something, I know, it I might think... allow you to create a pro close enough approximation of the face that you could eliminate a number of different suspects. Well, there's already a big it worry in law enforcement in terms of profiling. It's like this would just increase racial profiling, I think. Well, I don't know if it would increase racial profiling. I mean, you're actually using the technology to try to, try to create as accurately as possible the face of your perpetrator. And also this this is actually interesting because you'd have like there'd have to be a lot of faith in this that it's actually correct. Right. That's I mean, it's or, not something the law enforcement could use it to point them potentially in your direction, but it wouldn't be something holdable in court. But they what, would this, not would do, what this would do, though, is um, increase the amount of crimes that are committed with fake accents. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have a point there, Charles. <laughs> Crooks just start <laughs> using... Oh, that would be... But, I mean, we... Uh, Law enforcement, there, there's a lot of, uh, we still use a the lie detector. Right. And it's basically pseudoscience. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're in the early stages of this, but I can see that this um, might have potential long-term as they refine their data, refine their algorithms, and see, make improvements I of it. I don't think that this is a good, like there's it's I don't see an a interesting answer. kind of thought exper or experiment. Well, it is from an academic standpoint. Which yeah, is from an academic standpoint, standpoint clear. from a usefulness in the world, it's a whole lot easier to just have a, what I'm pretty sure already exists is a library of voices, like any number of voices you could have, you could, if you have a voice clip, you could maybe just like search the internet or have a system that searches a, For a set of match. voice clips from the internet that go along with faces and IDs and that'll you, get you a hit way quicker. Could you make a voice reliable. modulator that just makes you sound like Betty White all the time? And it's just like... Just I mean, you could. Maybe maybe that's a new a new thing that everyone starts installing on their phone so they don't sound like themselves at some point. Yeah. Or so, something even that just introduces a slight modulation so that your voice sounds uh, completely normal, but it completely screws up this algorithm. Like, there's a number of things that could mess with this and make it completely unreliable. I don't think it'll be used in the real world. Do you think if if there were a device like that that would change your voice that it would be useful for people with like home assistants that listen to their voice if you wanted to not have the assistant know it was you 
what? requesting something? Like, what say is, you're talking what, what? to your Google, but you don't want Google to match your voice to you. You could use one of these voice changers and make it seem like you were a guest in the house. Maybe you're searching for like a remotely controlled chastity cage and you don't want that to show up in your news feed. Oi, Google, could you find me a ca chastity cage? Yeah. <laughs> try it, Bill. See how it works. Yeah. 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 Try that out. Yeah. Do a little, yeah. Look for a chastity cage with Christopher <laughs> Watkins' voice. That, that would be something. Maybe Google will get that. Yeah. Hey, what if that starts really screwing up Christopher Walken's search results? Indeed. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> if it could make everybody sound like Christopher Walken, that would be interesting. That would be. I, that that's that's an acceptable world to live in. I think I can deal with that. <laughs> hey, all right. Now, what do you guys think about uh, all these millionaires that have lost their passwords and been locked out of their Bitcoin fortunes? Well, it's not all these millionaires. We we uh, heard one story about a guy who. Uh, well, there's there's a few, but it's like basically because a lot of people bought the Bitcoin when it was nothing, when no one thought Bitcoin was going to be anything, and then all of a sudden they locked away their passwords, and Bitcoin is quite a lot valuable. now. Yeah, yeah and I mean that's kind of uh, it's a cryptocurrency. So if you don't have the if you lost your password, I mean, that's gotta be frustrating, though. Like, yeah, like that's, well, I mean, if you load it up on your basic, you know, it's like, I don't know if you give new passwords to everything. It's like, oh, yeah. But, well, yeah. for, well, for a lot of my junk accounts, like my high V account, it's like mm -hmm. to have the high V saving, I have a, an account. I have like a, a, a password that I use for that. Um, but it's like, so if you make, so you make new passwords for everything, Seth? Absolutely, everything. I do too. What a waste of time! I use a password <laughs> manager. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, then, what happens if your password manager collapses? What do you mean? It's, I mean, it, once again, it's encryption. Like the password is used to unencrypt the data. So you don't remember all of the passwords? No. No. There we go. But, no, there. Yeah, you just gotta safeguard your master password effectively. Right. So. Exactly, but what if this you didn't put your Bitcoin under your master password because you didn't think it was going to be anything? Well, then you're SOL. Right. <laughs> and Which a lot of these millionaires are. Well, yeah, I, I exactly. say a lot. I don't know rel relatively how many. <laughs> Enough to make it worth an article, apparently. Yeah, that's true. Are you a millionaire if you have a thumb drive with two hundred and fifty million dollars on it, but you can't access it? Nope. Are Are you a millionaire? Well, no, it's worse than it's like you're 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 like Schrodinger's millionaire. Well, some you of them are millionaires because somebody offered like, seventy five million, I think, to to dig in the dump guard. Yeah, to he, he wants to go to millionaires. He wants to give money to the the junkyard so he can go dig looking for the hard drive that has his password. Huh. How nuts is that? It is nuts. <laughs> That's. That's a long shot, but that's would you the, do uh, it for $250 million? That's the reason you want to have your password uh, safe um, stored in the cloud. <laughs> right? So you, you don't have it. So you don't have it tied to a specific yeah, hard drive. Nothing bad can happen to it there. Well, I mean, the whole problem with that they're experiencing right now is that these are 
encrypted in such a way as that they could put that data out on the internet just like yeah put yeah. the whole data out out there anyone could download it and look at it and they'd never be able to get at that get that money because you need the passphrase to unencrypt the data without the unencrypted data it's just gibberish it take you longer than the life of the universe to try to hack it that may eventually change with right. more advanced computers but for the time being it's like if yeah the algorithm that's used is just insanely complex yeah well, did, did that guy use this uh use that algorithm or no well that's that's what uh bitcoin is based on is yeah, bitcoin's stuff. based off this algorithm that's that can't be regulated basically by any like larger governmental finance thing or whatever because it's completely off the grid, if you will. Yeah, it's just on the grid, off the grid, but yeah. What we don't know is how sophisticated a password he used, or if he used a, a hard drive-based computer uh, password manager. Um, he may. Well, this guy said he used. Um, I believe it was in this article. He used. He thought he used a variation of a password that he normally uses, and none of them have apparently worked. So oh. he must have thought, "Boy, when I do this one, I'm going to do something different," and then totally forgot what it is. Right. And yeah. now he has, I think, two guesses. Left. Two guesses, yeah. and it's like, and that, that goes back to Seth's question: Is he a millionaire or is he not? He has literally. There is two chances. For him to enter the right code. Ask me that question a, again after his second chance. I, but it's like, how, is, is, is it almost cruel to himself for him not to just end this? Because yeah. it's like, this, well, this does you know, seem just like the worst thing almost. Me, it's like, uh, let me ask this question 150 million right here. Do you think it would be possible for him to go see like a, uh, hypnotherapist to maybe I was wondering him about back that too. I was to the point where he created the password because obviously he had to type it, he had to think of it, he had to type it into something, save it somewhere, and conceivably he used the password more than once when he was you know getting the thing initially set up, right? right? So it's got to be somewhere locked away, you'd think, in yeah. his mind, maybe. Uh, through hypnotism, he it could be recalled. Do you think? I I don't know how uh, how reliable that is. Like I'd need to see some actual science on how. Uh, how many guesses? But I mean, left? you're he's got two guesses left. He has two left. left. But I'll, I'll, I mean, has someone reminded him to turn off cap locks? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like the whole, there was the whole thing in uh, in uh, the '80s with uh, these false memories from like the hypnosis using hypnosis. So, right. it's well, like you've got two shots left. It's really easy to load in memories uh, because, well, I mean, it, it's like on any memory that people have, you can load memories into people. Oh, sure. And, and our memories like, are not locked in stone. They change no, no, over no, time. They are not. It's like we change details almost constantly. But, but would it be better than just randomly trying to waste your last two guesses? Exactly. It's like for that for the one of the two wishes, perhaps that, or maybe 
Yeah. Maybe someone has a truth drug or a hypnosis drug or it's like something. I don't know. Yeah. For 250 million, I think you try the hypnotherapy. Right. And you also try, uh, you also, uh, a little sodium pentothal. Try grinding up whatever truth and memory drugs you can into a cocktail and just yeah. shoot it. But I, I, I think I would have done that as soon as I got down to like five guesses left. But here's the thing. Was he writing them down? And did he already guess the or use the correct one or think he had the correct one, but accidentally like do a fumble it, it, on the exactly. keyboard? His, his first attempt was the right one, but he got like a cap lock accidentally on one of them. He shifted. Yeah. Rather that's than... where you. That's where you type it out first in Notepad and then copy and paste. But yeah. was he being that careful? Yeah, probably not. Well, maybe he was, and that's how he got up to eight. That could be. You know, I, be, I'd be yeah. curious if if um. So you you run into similar lockout um issues with like uh law enforcement or, or people who are trying to break into iPhones where they can't get them unlocked or whatever. And there was a company out there that that had this black box procedure basically where they clone the phone and then they can just keep trying repeatedly without damaging the original. I do wonder if at some point in the future there's a potential recovery process where they can clone this chain, if you will, to an extent where they can try and validate it. That way you can try more without harming the original, but then you run the risk of fraud, I guess, where yeah. What's what's Bitcoin's obligation to this? Can they give him like more none. guesses? No, none. No, it's not regulated in any form. Well, I mean, can they? It's like no. if they chose no. to, could they do it? No, they created the tech. Or whoever created the technology created it, and like fly one and three, my this. friends. Yeah. So and that's why I was wondering if you know in the future if this evolves to something to where um, you don't end up losing that currency to some extent it's built so that it, it so that it's just a thing which makes it popular with you know shady money trading and all this other kind of stuff but um that's going to be a real problem as your paypal's of the world and and other banks and stuff start to adopt bitcoin what are they doing to to safeguard those kinds of things so that that'll be interesting but i do wonder if we see technology in the future or a process similar to what we saw with uh uh, breaking into iPhones or Androids or whatever, where they, you know, clone the original and then find a way to just kind of brute force it that way. Yeah. Highly doubt we'll see it anytime soon based off of how uh, the blockchain process and everything works today. But again, the we, know, we know almost enough about it that someone's got to be able to find a way to, to work around that. Well, I mean, it's like, shouldn't all these entrepreneurs be coming up to this guy and like, you know, Saying, you know, Someone I'll help has you get a pro or somebody said that they would get it for him for 10%. Hmm. Oh, yeah. But then I think they also, they then pulled back on that offer. Once it became serious. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, I would give like, them. Yes, 10%. Yes, dope. Go, 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 go. I would, I would give them 10%. If they I could guarantee, that. if they couldn't guarantee, then they owe me 220 million. <laughs> so, no. Actually, I, I like that deal. 
Yeah, no, I would have a contract written up. If you can guarantee, I will give you ten percent if you can get into it. But if you don't, you owe me twenty two hundred twenty million. If he loses, if the if the guy you consult with loses your last two attempts in the process and doesn't have a payout, then he should owe you some sort of penalty. Yeah, yeah there is that. I, I'd say like if he succeeds, he gets ten percent. If he hmm? fit. Uh, I, how about if he succeeded, he'd get 20%. If he fails, you get 10% of the money that you should have gotten. Right. No, I want $220 million. If Because if, if you can't do it, then don't come up here and tell me you can do it. Well, if you can't do it, then then let's not do this. It's like, if does you he can... Have $220 million right. to give you, though? Yeah, the problem is anybody that would have the ability to hack into it probably doesn't have $220 million to pay you off. Yeah, so go if away. If he fails, so nobody'd help you. Bye bye. No. So then well, you'd be then you'd be just bankrupt. Then I maybe they could figure out a way to demonstrate the feasibility of what they're suggesting. I don't know. What would you do? I Seth? would I would just sell the the dongle with two hundred and fifty million on it for twenty million dollars. To who? Oh, to who there would be any number of people who would go for it you know at this point that's probably his best bet you're right it's like there's other it's like it's schrodinger's uh jump drive it's like you you could get <laughs> you can get money out of it if you do it right so two, yeah two, you're two right and a half, guys it's literally it's no different than gambling it's like pull the slot you know is there a payout it's like you have two chances to win 20 220 million dollars do it so I think the moral of the story is take your password seriously. Make sure you're using some sort of decent password saving utility that maybe is cloud-based and uh, so you don't lose your passwords. Uh, uh, perhaps I should look into that. If you're using doesn't have, um, you know, do your research in your digital wallet, see what they have for recovery options and things like that. And if they don't have one, figure out what your backup plan is because if you get serious into that into the millions yeah well this There's... is kind of a unique situation isn't it i mean if if they lost any of my my passwords it's like i can call the institution and work out well, something there's there's some way to thing is it's unique to bitcoin but it is way more common than it should be i mean i think they they said their percentage is up to 20% now of money that's lost in digital yeah. wallets of the entire you know bitcoin yeah just you know gone forever just gone so i mean that, that's a weird thing to think about and boy i mean, I mean I get, I, I, there's I, arguments I, there to why that should be regulated so that people don't lose all their money but at the same time it's like that's on you yeah i've i've had the uh a taste of that to a degree with um creating um uh, encryption keys. So um, years ago, uh, it's probably been 20 years ago now, I started uh, experimenting around with um, creating encryption keys so I could send encrypted emails and stuff. And peer to peer. Uh, what's that? Peer to peer. Yeah. And uh, so when you create these keys, you can create them and then you can upload them to a, a global key ring so that when you send an email to somebody, they can go out and validate that that email actually came from you, and then they can decrypt it with your public key. Well, when I created those originally 20 years ago, I didn't create them to expire at any point. So they're still sitting out there long after I've forgotten what passwords I used to create them. Okay. So 
Since that time, I've gone in and created new ones that have expiration dates of maybe a year or two years down the road so that they expire, they get deleted, and then I can create a new one. So I don't have, you know, 20 million Bill Newman secret keys out there. And then people have to figure out, well, which one is the real one, you know? So, yeah. So use a password safe, uh, set expiration dates on uh, crypto keys, you know, things like that. Two-factor, use two-factor. Yep. I don't know in the future, like if, if, if governments were to try and regulate this, is it even possible or does it make any sense to take on the risk of insuring it? Like you'd have insurance on banks today. If a guy can just lose 220 million, should, should, should anyone be responsible for helping that person? I think this is the, well, this is kind of the point of having some regulation. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, you don't have the Federal the... Deposit Insurance Corporation available for Bitcoin today. But do, when do you decide? Because I mean, when he bought the Bitcoin, it was worth nothing. It was mm -hmm. literally it was brand new, and now it's worth this. But it's like if you got into something that you never thought was going to turn into anything, why would you want to insure it? It's like. Honestly, Bitcoin, when it started, who thought it would succeed? Well, why did any degree? Well, it was two hundred twenty million to even check on it. Yeah, you I think mean, that's that's a million. But... Well, that's when he thought of it when he found out. I mean, it's like the, actually Big Bang Theory did an episode about that where all of a sudden Bitcoins worth something, and the gang remembers that they bought some Bitcoin. That they might have five thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and in the end, it, they 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 couldn't find their jump drive, and it turned out that the steward at the comic book store actually found it and erased it. But yeah, <laughs> so so th this was covered in Big Bang Theory. It's like, but it's like, who would have thought? It's like Leonard didn't keep his jump drive around because, or keep very tight track of his jump drive because he didn't care. It's like, who cares? It was like I got some when it was like nothing. Yeah, it's like. And now, but it's like, now that guy has all, all the Bitcoin, but, and it's worth something, but he can't get it because he wasn't paying attention. It's like, should you pay attention to everything all the time? All the things that might become something? Well, if you want to be rich, you should. Yeah. Well, I, there's the lesson there. Right. It's the old question of, do you take your toy out of the packaging or do you play with it? And now we're back to sex cages. <laughs> <laughs> Seth always brings us back around to the start. Always, every time. What is up with you? <laughs> well, he's trapped. You have a gift. Circle there. <laughs> well, all right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Wonder Woman 84. Who's all seen that? I have. I have seen it. All right. What'd you guys think of it? I liked it. I was happy until I got to the end. And then I was not so happy with, with the film. Um, I think there's varying reasons why uh, the ending ended up the way that it did. But but for me, it was it was 9 out of 10 till maybe 70% of the way through the movie. Then it just started going downhill from there. Um, and then I think it ended personally in a little bit of a dumpster fire. Um, and that's not to say that the film was not good. It was just that, um, you know, whether it was COVID playing um on some issues with getting the movie finished properly or whatever um i think it ended in a real crappy way left a lot of open endings uh didn't really 
fit at all when he got to the ending of the movie. So that that's me on it. And How would that, you have changed it? Um, the it ran away a little bit with the whole uh, um, uh, main bad guy and, and the whole what do you want in life and what do you want to wish for to. Um, it got out of hand when it went to the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let, me, let me ask everybody what they want, and then magically we're just going to make it so it's not a thing. You know, in, in the end of the movie, everybody's okay. Um, no Everything, real drama yeah. from that, no real repercussions. Right. I would um, how I probably would have changed it is, is not gone so out of hand with that. Yeah. Um, they could have done a little bit more work on... Um, What's her face? Cheetah girl? Cheetah woman? Cheetah. Cheetah. The cheetah. cheetah. Um, that was kind of left open-ended, you know? Like, there's no repercussion mm-hmm. for her, like, going from this, you know, want to be kind of cool person to just a villain. Um, I, I think they could have done a lot more on that, if not found a way to play into uh, maybe a sequel that, that more focused on, on her or something. This movie could have been how she ended up as Cheetah, and then they could have had a sequel of, you know, Cheetah and Wonder Woman in there or something. Yeah. But instead, it was just a glimpse of Cheetah, if you will. A bad CGI Cheetah, too. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, uh, if, if I was to change it, I wouldn't have gotten so wildly out of hand with the wishing. Well, this is just um, it. They, they introduced the wishing, I feel, just to figure out a way to get Chris Pine back in the movie. And it's like, yeah. it, took on, it took on a life of itself and actually took over the movie in a bad way. It, it did. It, and I think it, like, like I said, it, it just became a runaway movie there near the last part of it with, with the wishing. And I, I don't think they needed to get that extravagant. If anything, they could have found a way to, um, you know, maybe the guy had some powers and he used uh, a couple of those powers to bring Chris Pine back and do a couple other things. And then maybe he became overpowered with greed in his new powers and Wonder Woman can't take him on alone. And uh, Cheetah joins forces with her and they take him down together or something like that instead of this whole world incident that happened that really didn't have any kind of wrap up other than everybody just unwish what you wished for and go yeah. on about your merry day. Never mind that half the world was freaking destroyed right. um, during that and they just well, walked away from it. Right. And you have to know that there'd be a certain percentage of the population out there that would never recant their wishes right. yeah. because yeah. they'd rather see the world burn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought I thought that would have been a more interesting uh, conclusion for Cheetah is for her to have gone nah nah yeah I don't care what I you think, say I think Cheetah could have said no she wasn't going to take it back mm-hmm. um, and again that could have led to maybe another film in the future or something um, of of her and and Wonder Woman having to do with what whatever happened with the fallout so well so so his kid uh, uh, Max Lord his uh, kid yeah. He at one point in the movie wished for his father's greatness. Yep, right. Did he undo his wish? Because I don't remember seeing that. No, I would have to imagine that he didn't. Oh and no! So what not, did that cost the kid? Right. Not Pedro. Not Pedro Pascal's best role, in my opinion. But he's only given. You know, he can only do what he can do. No, I, the script. But I, I no, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree there. I thought he did really good like i i did like uh the bad guy of max lord in this mm-hmm. like no, I, I thought i think it just got too it went too far yeah i i think my favorite villains are aren't the ones who are ha evil but who cause intense 
just so much Mayhem. damage because of their own greed and short-sightedness. Yeah, he started, he wasn't inherently evil, he just wanted success. He was like a car was salesman hungry. bitten by a radioactive spider. He was just, it's just cheesy, I thought. He, he wanted, well, you know who he's based off of. Like, oh. that's obviously a, a Trump allegory. Right. <laughs> right. Because he was like, except a this guy man. can research and loves his kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> and would be seen in a museum. Right. Well, I, I never really saw the Trump allegory. Really? I did not. I, I know where like they're a, trying to go with it, but he was it's like, like a fake wannabe wealthy guy that was really a con man. He was conning all these people out of their money and, you know, spending it basically for whatever he felt like he wanted to do with it. Um, I, and, yeah, I, th I thought his whole uh, black gold company where yeah. he was like, had bought up all this land that maybe should have had oil on it, but didn't. Uh, and it was selling people shares in it on when when we hit hit oil, you hit when we hit our payday, you hit our payday. And I was right. like, well, that's just Trump University, right? Right, there. right. Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, I, I, I see it. I just I don't know. He I I, I found uh, Max Lord to be more charming than Donald Trump could be on a on a good day. Well, he we somehow prefer, we would have people. preferred Max Lord over Donald Trump. We'll just call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying that's like where the root of his the Max Lord character hmm. is, right? The inspiration, like they obviously decided to make Max Lord work better than Trump, but then again, Trump became president. So ugh. now, is Wonder, is Wonder Woman immortal? Yeah, uh, apparently. Well, I she's mean, a god. I mean. She's uh, thousands of years old. Yeah. So they, all of the Themyscirans, uh women are Themyscirans. Themyscirans. But Amazons. But I mean, she's this. She's the daughter of Zeus. I mean, she's a god, mm. literally. Which I thought it was kind of cool when she used her lasso to lasso that thunderbolt. It's like I mean, that's her legacy. That's that's yeah. that's that's a thing her dad gave her. You know, it's like. Yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty cool. Um, how they went how they went into that, and and she's still, even though she's been alive all this time, she's still learning what her her limits are, what her what her powers yeah. are. Um, yeah, she figure out how to fly. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So like at the end, with or her big fight with Cheetah, and they like I was like, how's she is she gonna electrocute them both? Oh no, wait, she's uh, immune to lightning, I guess, or electricity. That would be something, yeah, her dad gave her. But, I mean, yeah, her parentage, that, I guess, makes sense. Has has Wonder Woman ever been able to fly in the comics? Yeah. All, the, like, like, all the versions? Not all the versions, I mean... Because like, I don't remember Wonder Woman ever flying in the comics. Maybe I just oh, she flies the wrong now. versions. She, she's flown in the... she Ever since at least uh, the Justice League cartoons... Why would she need the invisible jet? Well, that was that, that was kind of from She's the, the 70s, 60s age. Yeah. I don't uh, think she was flying then. But that was another thing. Where did they land that? Yeah. Did, where did they land the invisible jet? 
Well, that's the problem with we like never Bitco- found Bitcoin out. passwords and invisible jets. It's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> someone's just gonna like run in, like be walking out in the desert somewhere and just like bong. Yeah. Well, that's now I view that a lot of little details like that that annoyed me uh, in the movie ultimately was just... also she stole that jet. Yeah. And how would how would Chris Pine know to fly a, like a supersonic jet? He he flew like wood and canvas. World War One planes. It's like well, he figured it out pretty quickly. But I mean, he was in there, and it's not like he just knew everything. It was more like, uh, nope, nope, yep, okay. Then there's this, okay, maybe that switch, and he, he had to figure it out. But yeah, you'd think he would have crashed it probably. Well, if well, I want to play, you've flown them all. If, if you if you drive a car, in today, but you drove a car back then, it's like. Would you be able to? I mean, there's a lot of different ways. Like, well, I think, first of yeah, all, the, like, the cars of his day, you'd have to crank up. First of all, but, not but, in World War Two, World War One. Was it World War One? Yeah, Steve. Steve. Uh, Trevor's from World War One. Okay. So yeah, old, yeah, old. It's that's fair. So details. Yeah. So yeah, let's see. Um, I yeah, I didn't. I get what I kind of get what they were going for with the ending, though. Uh, I did not. Uh, so please enlighten me, because so I... I think what they were shooting for was an ending to a superhero movie where it wasn't resolved by a who could punch the hardest. Yeah, okay. I and I'm not saying that they stuck that landing, but I get <laughs> what I think they were going for. I will give him a everything is resolved by conflict that sometimes it's possible through negotiations to let the bad side see that they're wrong and for them to come around to the light. Do you think it's possible that Patty Jenkins had too much free time because she, they no. finished this movie like two years ago and has she been like just like like all right I generally don't write when I was in college write papers until the last minute because if I did I'd write it and then I'd like I could change that. Oh, I could change that. Oh, I could change that. I just want to get it done. And she did it, but then she's had all this time to think about what she could change. And then I think there, I think there might have been a lot that was out of her hands, because I've heard that there were like the studio had a role in some stuff, and going uh, uh, to theaters and HBO Max caused some revisions. What is up with Warner Brothers? It's like I, I read an article yesterday that they wanted to. All right, The Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie about mm-hmm. like like uh, time slipping aliens. They wanted to remove time travel from that. I don't even know what that movie would look like. Why would Warner Brothers keep interfering in in like all these movies? It's like. <laughs> That, that that they ruin it's like and it, it, it's a demonstrated uh tendency for any studio interference to absolutely devastate their movies and it's like I, I, i'm not gonna it. say I, I don't think this was ruined it's like this is definitely better than some of the early superhero movies we right, got well, like what do you Fantastic think about Four? batman versus superman dawn of well, justice i had another problem with this movie and, if, and, and it kind of goes like, so if I remember right, the first Wonder Woman, there was no lovemaking. I remember some people made a big deal out of that. There's not a love scene, really, or a sex scene. But the, are there sex scenes in any other superhero movies? Well, there is in this one, though, the second. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, they do. They, they do, do get it, to that. But but isn't he? He's actually somebody else, and so I, I don't know. They 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 had love making against his, the other person's will. So the whole thing was against <laughs> the other person's will. So would you say it was more of a menage a trois? I don't know what you. It's a little. Ah. It's a little bit rapey, don't you think? Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, and Diane is okay with that guy just being like taken over. Right. It's like, yeah, the, the, it's okay. As long as it's Steve there, yeah. Trevor, that guy has no, you know, no value. And it's yeah, like, that, that, that was kind of weird to me too. Like, why couldn't the wish have just like, so for everything else the wishes did, why didn't they just bring him back as is? Well, yeah, even though the she... wishing created thousands of nuclear warheads why couldn't it have just like why didn't (laughs) and that's and that's my point when i say it it turned into this runaway train Mm -hmm. they did need a little bit of consistency there like what do these wishes do well maybe it's because we're supposed to see that that in the end that diana didn't care because she didn't she she would have perpetuated she would have let this guy's life just be gone for steve steve trevor had to say no Steve Trevor had to say, you have to let me go. I think she this, wouldn't have. I think this was a narrative device that they just wanted Steve to have this uh, apartment ready to go or something, <laughs> as opposed to just appearing naked out of nowhere. I don't know. It's like, I, I think I w- definitely would have had some notes on this. Just like, okay, so why with the guy? Like, why not just Steve's there? And can someone remind me what the whole deal was with her losing her powers a little bit? That was the price for her wish. That was like, that was the price. That's right. Everyone had yes. to pay price. I had I have a gripe with the film. All right. They go to all this trouble of like setting up setting the movie in 1984, the 1980s, and we go around with Steve Trevor being like, oh, man, you should look at all this amazing 1980s technology. Ooh, be amazed. And so despite being like having a movie that you set in 1980s for partially nostalgia value, there wasn't a single piece of 80s music in the whole thing. Yeah, that was kind of sad. It's like... If you're gonna go to the '80s, that's kind of the reason why a lot of uh, '80s movies are made is to yeah. capitalize on a little bit of this, like capitalize on the yeah. nostalgia. It's like, do you remember San Junipero, the 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 Black Mirror episode? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was supposed to be set. They they used a lot of theme music in that one that kind of brought it. It brings you to the '80s. If you're gonna be in the '80s, you. You got you got to hear some '80s stuff. It's like, I, I know, like why, why set the movie in the '80s if you're not going to use some of that music? Yeah, it's like that's iconic to the '80s. Not one, that nowhere. Well, and, why, and why did they decide on 1984 anyway? I mean, why not do it modern day? See, that's another thing about the movie is like I don't know what their timeline, the like the DCEU's time or the the DCU's timeline is looking like now. But wasn't the like the like Superman like supposed to be 
like the first superhero who came out, but there was also Batman existing at some time. But Wonder Woman was supposed to be under like the first Wonder Woman movie just kept her as kind of like a background element in history. But this one, everyone should know about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Because there was this nigh apocalypse. Well, that and that's that's the problem when there's not um there's no overarching story for this. When they're doing these films, they're largely almost done independently, where they just write whatever story that they want. Um, there's no canon, there's just none of that. As much as they say that there is, there's not. They're not they're not really tightly put together and, and that is what it is. So not saying I'm a fan, but right. All right, so are you guys, who's looking forward to Dune? Oh, I no. am. <laughs> right here. Yep, I am. I'm looking forward to Dune. Now, there's been previous Dune movies, right? Um, I'm familiar with the one that Patrick Stewart was in. But Seth, you've watched two previous Dune movies. Uh, what yeah, was the so, uh, let's see. Uh, let me get the actual information on... I think it was like sci-fi did like a Dune miniseries. Yeah, or something yeah like. there was a Dune miniseries. There's the so the first one that I I saw was the David Lynch uh, Dune in, from 1984, which had Patrick Stewart in it. Yep, same here. And I actually that, really like that one. Yeah, the, it's still good. Like that's what we're talking about 80s music that's got like quintessential kind of 80s music there. it has sting it, it has sting <laughs> it in it stings yeah. in it yeah. yeah but it's got i st i like the soundtrack from that movie but it diverges quite a bit from the book and if you've ever oh yeah if you've read the book you you, you know about that the they did something really weird with the weirding way where they it was this sound module where you make specific sounds and then it makes destructive force yep. out of it. So that was weird, but it was a cool looking movie with mm -hmm. uh I, I still like it. It's yeah, I, I love a classic sci-fi movie, it's really great. Yeah. Uh the sci-fi miniseries, uh which was sometime around two thousand. uh was uh a, it remained closer to the books and was still really good i think because i've i think i've still got it on dvd but it was it was really good too yeah, and I had much really much better since it initially first came out um but um i know my sisters watched it a, a few times and she always enjoyed it so it was you a pretty good that... bring back for especially if people had not yeah, there you go. From the eighties, it definitely brought a current generation up to a current version of, of Dune, uh, which still ended up being enjoyable for what it was. You think they could do a uh, a reboot of that series today and make it even better? I would well, wait for the movie and see what happens. Yeah, I'm really look. I I'll take more Dune. I've Dune is originally what it uh, is that the the initial arc with Paul is what a trilogy is it. No, uh, well, well, yeah, uh, kind yeah. of. So it's like he's in the final book, not a lot, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I there, mean there the arcs surrounding Paul, Dune, Children of Dune, and then uh, God Emperor, Emperor of Dune, Dune, isn't it? Or Dune Messiah? Messiah Dune or Dune Messiah? Hold on. 
Yeah, Doom Messiah was second. And then oh, wait, Doom. maybe he died in Doom Messiah. Yeah, Doom franchise. Yeah. Ah, just give me I don't the original. Know the other books. two books initially. The first one um, I've been through. Yeah, uh, Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune. Okay, so yeah, what I'm curious, the movie I think will cover Dune, and then I would like to see um, a miniseries after that, as opposed to more movies, because um, I think you could stretch out the other two books pretty. You know what I want to see? I, I want to see all that you just said, Chris. But I also I hope someday to see the Butlerian Jihad. 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 I think that would be sweet. It's like it's yeah. literally Terminator where people win. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would be a well, great movie. Ter- Terminator is Terminator where people win. That's why they send bullshit. They keep winning over <laughs> and over again, and then Terminators keep changing the rules and they come back. Yeah, but they have to do it because people still win. You mean but, when the people really win is is uh yeah. But yeah, so so when the people I- win and they and the Terminators stay down. So I first read Dune back in high when I was in high school, and I've probably read it another five times since then. It's one of my favorite sci-fi. So I've only been through the book once, and it will start out a little bit. To me, it was a little bit slow slash yeah. dry, dry like the Dune desert. But I mm-hmm. uh, stick with it. It gets really way more involved, yeah. uh, as we've mentioned uh, earlier, talking off off recording uh you know political themes in there um really great story though it really is if, if you push through it and get to the end of the book you will pick up the others yeah, yeah I, that was my issue it was kind of dry and i never got through the first book and just... there's a tremendous amount of world building that uh, frank herbert does in that first book yeah and i think that's what gets hard is getting yeah. around the world building and then yeah. once you get past that it's like you can't put it down you mm-hmm. literally can't put it down yeah I, i'd agree with that the political intrigue between House Atreides, House Harkonnen, and the Emperor is fantastic. It's fantastic. I may have to pick it up and start it again. I think the the when I read it the first time, I was in my early twenties, and it was just just didn't move fast enough or something for me. So I just never got. Oh, I, and I can see that. I've I've had yeah. books that that I've had to really force myself to get through, yeah. or even books where it it went really dry near the last part portion of it, and then you miss out on that ending, maybe good part. And um, yeah, it's not like it's from from front to back. It's all engaging. It's definitely a little bit to get through, but it's worth it for what he builds the, the giant picture. Yeah, I mean, so- it, it's good enough to. I mean, look, they're making this motion picture. Uh, you know, again, June, and it's because they have all this stuff to work with. There's going to be, I hope they build out this epic world that, that yeah, depicted in this book. Yeah. And if you're of an odd, if you like audio books, uh, Audible has a fantastic version of Dune that has a voice acting cast. Oh, yeah. Who's, yeah, whoever they, who they got to do Baron Harkonnen for that audio book is fantastic. Really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, the, the, part of why Dune works is because like the villains work. Baron Harkonnen is a fantastic villain. And I think it, in the David Lynch movie, the Baron Harkonnen was really well done. Yeah, I do. I like. Yeah, I they like don't. That. Baron Harkonnen is not a bumbling fat man. Who he is a conniving evil son of a bitch mm. who happens to be fat, but he's. 
got his eye mm-hmm. on the prize and a plan to take it all. Yeah, in the movie, in the David Lynch movie, they focus more on uh, Harkonnen's fetishes than I think they need to, rather than setting him up as a real evil character. Yeah. But it's like the Duke Leto in the in the David Lynch movie, I did not like. I love that actor. I just don't think he was right for that particular role. Hmm. So, eh. so it, it kind of an interesting little side thing on Dune. Uh, they had there was a uh, real time strategy game uh, sometime in like the two thousands or around when that uh, mini series came out, or maybe the late nineties, called Dune Two Thousand. And it was by a company called Westwood Studios that did uh, full motion video for their cutscenes. They didn't do these weird uh, 90s era CG things. They had actors for their cutscenes. Yeah, so they did uh, Westwood Studios is like your your Red Red Alert, Command and Conquer. Type yeah, Command of and Conquer. Actors and all the cutscenes and stuff, yep. But they do like these nerd actors or uh, uh, sci-fi property actors. And in their Dune 2000, uh, they ha- Duke Leto was Michael Dorn. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And oh god, the Mentat uh, or his, the Mentat who you interact with is uh, hmm. gosh dang. Uh, it's another. He was on uh, Sli- One of the big people on Sliders. Yeah, I'm trying to find. There was a. I actually came across uh, in um, an online gaming magazine thing or whatever. But they actually covered a lot of the actors uh, in an article about that. Um, let's see. There was a list somewhere. So I'm reading something about it being uh, remastered. I'd be in on that. Yeah, it was because they were coming out with some remastered stuff, and that's why they talked about. Um, I, I could deal with. A remastered Dune 2000. I'm can't. I, I am kicking myself because I can't remember. But it's a really another. They had. They have some really well known uh, actors come in to do their roles. I'm not finding it anywhere. I find a clip for uh, Battle for Dune House Atreides, but I'm not finding Michael Dorn and Dune anywhere. Dune 2000. Long live the fighters. It was real. It was an interesting take on their real time strategy because you're all you always have to like gather resources to build your units. Well, in this, you'd be gathering spice, and you would have to balance that against. Uh, yeah, you'd have to balance that like gathering spice against the worms coming. CD ROM classics. Or yeah, you guys available streaming anywhere. What's <laughs> that, Chris? Remember when games came on CDs? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that series is streamable anywhere. I'll, I'll bet someone's played it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, how long is it? Because it looks like there's a whole the whole thing might be on YouTube. It's like there's an hour and ten minute clip. Huh. I think that an hour and 10 minutes might be the whole thing. Huh. All right. Well, we're uh, getting close to time here. Before we jump out, I just wanted to touch real quick on the final episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Uh, Chris, John, have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. Chris? Yep. 
And uh, Charles, have you? I don't think. No, no, I'm I'm sitting it out. And, yeah, and Seth, I don't think. Yeah, what'd you guys uh, what you guys think of the final episode? Did you like it? Yeah. So the big the big thing for me was, um, you know, I got a late start to Discovery, mm-hmm. right? So I actually, uh, if you guys haven't watched it, for anyone watching, um, I didn't start it until maybe a month and a half ago or so. Right. Um, I started it, I got engaged and I burrowed through all of the seasons. Um, and it, the character development is phenomenal. Um, we talked a little bit about Giorgio, um, yeah. one of the other podcasts and how she's changed from this emperor to ruthless um, emperor to somebody that's a little bit more embracing the Starfleet ideals, I would say. Yep. And, uh, it was, it was just awesome. So the, the way the whole season, uh, plays out, um, for me was was pretty good i i i uh i like some of the commentary in there uh with the uh the spore drives and science behind that mm-hmm. um i think there was one quote in there um you know you fly around in a, in a mythical place of mushrooms or something like that <laughs> right. um you know and you're surprised about some other weird science thing going on right um they had some really good humor in there that that was uh that was pretty good but i i overall enjoyed the season uh, all the way down to to the ending, um, you know, they, they leave you wanting wanting more. They they didn't really uh, they didn't ruin anything for me. I think in no. every episode. Yeah, and I think uh, I think they've uh, kind of left it wide open for season four as to where they can go because now they're at a point where um, they've got this uh, access to this source of dilithium to mm-hmm. um, get basically civilization as as the federation knows it back up and running again and they've got kind of the uh, orion syndicate on their heels with the taking out of that huge ship and uh, and the leader and uh, essentially the orion or the emerald chain i guess as they call it which is a combination of the orions and the uh, andorians um they were kind of on their heels anyway because they were running out of dilithium and yeah. um, so they had specifically come to the federation uh asking for an alliance and uh so i think at this point now the federation is is uh primed to kind of pick back up again uh make contact with all those worlds that have been left out i think at the end of the episode it mentioned something about uh the planet trill uh wanting to join the federation again it looks like um uh What's the uh, planet Vulcan called now? Uh, uh, Navarre. Navarre. Yeah. yeah, the planet Navarre seems to be rejoining the Federation. That uh, picture Linda had up of is of the new uniforms that the Federation uses in the uh, 33rd century. And little uh, little tiny bit authoritarian, but okay. Yeah, cool. it's yeah. I'm I'm not really fond of the new uniforms. The uh, riding boots are a bit much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what they stick to. Why, on do you, that. why would you want boots like that on a starship? Good question. I don't know. They didn't go into any special tech. I don't think on them or anything like that. No. Um, well, if you it, remember Star Trek: The Motion Picture and the rest of the Star Trek movies, Star Trek changes uniforms like like most people yeah. change clothes. Yeah. Like by the time they pick up season four, they might have a whole different uniform design. Yeah, and I think I, I kind of think that they uh, got too enamored with the um, uh, uh, bigger boots that they were wearing in the mirror universe and the look that that portrayed. Uh, maybe when they went with this new uniform, I don't know. But 
I'm just not really um, in love with the the mostly gray. Just seems to be um, black. Yeah, right, right. If I was going to cosplay, I would not pick that uniform myself. But (laughs) maybe they'll change it. Maybe they maybe. Maybe they went with the, the Federation had to go with the gray because they didn't have access to the textile planet in order to get. <laughs> as, as, a, as a Jedi, I like, I like boots. I like those boots. Right. I do. But it's the rest of it that can just kind of go away. I mean, right. Jedi got to have that for walking through lots of mud and stuff. Right. And uh, sand and, and lava. A story point on season three, which, which surprised me was... Um, when, when, when they're trying to figure out the burn and, and everyone just kind of accepts that what happened happened. And, um, you know, you, you have this split in, in the universe after the burn mm-hmm. and it took this crew of discovery to come in to really press them and ask the hard questions and, and try to dig down into it. And I'm like, what really nobody in the entire universe was really trying to figure I th- out. I thought about that too, but literally it kind of solves itself because literally mm-hmm. discovery was the only ship that could go anywhere and find out the yeah, and that's fair like, they, they had yeah. they had challenges which prevented them from really solving it what uh-huh. i didn't like was the solution to the burn that was just dumb that was just totally dumb uh it it, it, it almost it, it made me just like damn it kurtzman you did it again <laughs> you ruined the show but it's like i'll let it go it's dumb it was just it's it's dumb dumb with an extra layer of dumb with a side of dumb but it's like <laughs> otherwise the show was really good it if, really if was if do it another way is it just a matter of like why do you think it it, it ended up that way versus just um uh you know is it the length of the season that they had to work with or is it just you know, I don't I think it's where they wanted to go with kind of emphasizing, um, you know, that the crew started out not having a home, not being at home mm-hmm. and then coming to realize that they're all each other's home and that they're all family and that it kind of took um, that, you know, uh, exercise that they went through um, to figure that out, um, to figure out that that they all needed each other. Um, it was, I think they kind of touched on that a little bit in, uh, the ready room with Will Wheaton. I don't know if you guys watched that as well. Um, where they, they talked to the, uh, season, uh, the writer and, uh, where she said that was kind of their goal is to kind of, you know, make them do a little bit more, uh, in depth into the character instead of into the characters, um, on the show mm-hmm. rather than make it all about the technology and stuff. And, um, so I, yeah, I thought they did a good job. I, um, I, you know, if they would have changed the source of the burn any, I think, um, it would have been, I, I tried to figure out a way that they might've done it differently and maybe had a malevolent entity behind it. I don't think a machine they had, would be better. Yeah, you know, just but a, if they'd a, have done that, I mean, if the malevolent entity had caused the burn and managed to shield their own systems from the 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 result of the burn, then they would have had a technological advancement uh, uh, beyond anything that anybody else had, and basically there would have been nothing to keep that other entity from taking everything over. 
So then how do you go to a point where you still have the Federation that's, that's managed to survive um, almost on a level playing field with other groups like the Emerald Chain and things like that, uh, or maybe the Klingons or whatever? Yeah. Um, how do you still have them left if you have this um, group that's so sophisticated they could destroy everyone else's ability to get around the galaxy but preserve their own? I mean, they, they would dominate. And so I think this is the only way really you could have done it where you could still justify having some sort of semblance of the Federation left and maybe some other societies as well. Well, no, the burn. Oh, so you're talking about the burn as a thing, not yeah. as the, not right. the mechanism of the burn. Right. It's like, yeah, no, the, I, no, I, I, I do. I liked the burn. The idea of the burn was cool. The yeah. mechanism they used was absolutely stupid, yeah. but it's like, I was very sad about that. It, it's, how would you but, how would you have redone that, John? If you could, if, I mean, I, you could have you kept every single you could have kept every single thing in place, uh, just by like having some 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 forgotten race. You could have made the kid's mother the what what was his name again? The, the Elpian kid's mother. Yeah, yeah. Or Su, um, can't remember his name now. Sukat Sukai, something like that. Yeah. yeah, you could have just made his mother evil. And she she actually set up or, or angry and she set up a device that that perpetuated the burn. And the only way to shut it off was to get Sukai to shut it off. And you had to convince him through all the holograms that he's the one that has to shut it off. You could have done it. It's like it could have been. Yeah, but it's I, like I will say I did enjoy the creativity around the holograms and, and how he had been interacting with them all this time. And right. And, uh, you know, there's a scene in there where. Uh, um, uh, what's her face pretends to be a hologram to to kind of coerce some information. Mm -hmm. out of uh, yeah, and 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 when uh, when he sits down, he's like, "Oh, you're a new program. Like I haven't I haven't done this one before." I uh, like that too. That, and she she, she immediately fit in. She, yeah. she 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 did the smile and it's like, "Yes, yes, I am." Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, but it's like it. it I'll take this season because there is only one unforced error, unlike season two and season one, where there's just a ton of them. And it's like I, I see I see a chain of improvement in Discovery, a huge chain of improvement. It's like and I'm actually uh, yeah. looking forward to season four. Yeah, yeah I think uh, actually I'm very curious what Chris thinks about season one and season two, since you kind of force fed yourself on it real yeah, quick. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there is from season one through to season three back to back. Um, it gets better in, in how the episodes are written and how the overall arc goes from beginning to end. Um, you, you could tell they put more thought into it, and it's almost if they, they, they take their feedback, they go back, they watch the previous seasons, they see how people reacted to things, and then they kind of tweak those things while still doing other creative things with the story. And so I think we're I think after season three, even four is going to get better. So it's not something that it's not like a dip in the season. It's not like, man, season two was kind of okay. Season three was better. It, it, it gets better as you go. What do you think uh, season four will be like now with Burnham as captain? Um, do you think she'll still be um, running around Firebrand like she was, or will she have to tone that back a little bit and let other characters? I mean, I, I think she's going to be um, still a little bit of the same and still have some lessons to learn. Um, but also what makes her unique is, is who she is. So her as captain, I think will be a challenge for not only her, but everyone else on the crew, uh, on the ship as well. 
Well, I I also think that they're gonna like do a tiny time skip, like maybe like about four or five months in the future. Might have just... because Saru was gonna be gone that long, wasn't he? Uh, I think so. Saru was gonna be back on uh, Kelpia, Kelpian. Yeah. What's their planet? Um... Kaminar. Back on Kaminar, uh, working with that that child, trying to help him fit in. So, so he was going to be gone for several months. So who is he? Is who's captain? Is is is? Burnham's I know captain. Burnham's captain now, but is, did they just is is uh is Saru going to like take a desk job at Starfleet or something or what? We don't know yet. So that's the question: is is Saru going to come back as an admiral based and at Starfleet, or is he going to be? Is he going to come back and be the the number one now reporting to Burnham? We don't know. That's all being left That'd up. That'd be a pretty quick promotion up to Admiral, I would think. Yeah. yeah. Since he never got formally promoted to captain. Right. Well, and but, I think the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, traditionally Star Trek has used the aliens, whether it's Spock or Data or whatever, as um, uh, a stand-in for us in viewing that universe right and i think that's the role that saru has played well um has played as well um in that you know he kind of represents the the outsider view looking into the into this universe and sort of providing um a different perspective on on what he sees as humanity and uh so i think not having him as an active member of the crew uh might be deleterious in a way to what they're trying to do, unless they have some other crew member that's going to step into that role. I did have one criticism. I like the Admiral. I did for the yeah. most part, mm -hmm. but I, I don't, I, I don't know why they let the crew have the ship. They should have taken the ship away from them. That tech is just far too, far too valuable before they could reverse engineer it. It's like, um, it just seemed like, like Saru was making very emotional decisions that could have cost them the spore drive, which would have cost them everything. And it's like, it just, I, 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 I felt the Admiral put up with a lot of Saru and Burnham's bullshit for, in, in a way that was actually dangerous in terms of the future of the Federation. Yeah. I think you're right, but at the same time, they've gone, in, in my mind, I would view it as the Admiral has been living this life for such a long time where they've not moved forward, they've not really made any change, and there is going to need to be a risk to be taken to to solve some things and to actually move forward, because otherwise it was, everyone was kind of like at a stalemate, is how they kind of viewed that world at that moment. And nobody really knew that ship like the Discovery crew did either, right? Right. Because they were trained on it. They grew up with it and there was no record or information on it at all in Starfleet's database. So that's true. But if they just taken it offline for a few months and set up, uh, you know, reverse engineered it, they could start building their own spore drive ships. Maybe, and but they don't have a tardigrade that they have. They don't need a tardigrade. It's like they have the, they have Booker and his species. Yeah. But they didn't know that at the time. True. But, but and they may not still know it. Well, I mean, but the Doc Stamets knows how to uh, create the the human channeling. 
that uh, you can navigate the ship with. They, he can make other stamuses. Hmm. It could be done. I'm just saying. It's like it just seemed reckless and wild. It's like, well, if, I... if well, and the reality is, if they had done that, we wouldn't have a season three. Right. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or it would have yeah. been a very boring season three. <laughs> Yeah, it just, the, it just, the discovery would be in dry dock for the whole season. They gave yeah. they gave a they gave Saru and Burnham a very I, long. I agree. In, in reality, if if it was under control today, like what would we do, or what would we see our yeah, let's say like military force do or whatever, they would just put it on ice for a bit. Yeah, they'd classify it. It'd be yeah. a whole under wraps program while they tried to reverse engineer it. I I agree with that. Yeah. And was was the emperor worth having around? I mean, honestly, burn them. Well, yeah, but but it's like she's dangerous. Well, she yeah. was just dangerous. And that it's was like, a very complicated thing, and I do not know why there wasn't more monitoring or control over where she was going and who she was talking. Because she clearly did whatever she wanted when she yeah. wanted. Yeah. And. and no other officer was afforded that kind of leeway on that ship. No, exactly. But exactly. She, did, she did become Section Thirty-One, which has that, that which is renowned just, for that sort of leeway. True. But the, um, then, thousand years in the future, there is no Section Thirty-One, as far as we, we don't know. know that. Who is that Kovacs character? I think he's he's in charge of Section Thirty-One in the future. Yeah, and he, he's afraid of her. <laughs> so that should tell you something right there. I don't, he, I don't think he was afraid of her. I mean, she asked for his badge. He gave her his badge. He didn't care. And he said, you know. He was, he was very differential, but he was also very guarded in how he handled the emperor. Because he, he knew. knew who she was. He, oh, yeah. he knows. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. yeah, he knew. But I, I don't think he was afraid of her. I think he knew what she was and what her capabilities were. Exactly. Which and is I, why he, 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 he was very... Uh, very direct. I think the, he saw. I think he saw the potential in her use. Well, um, I think that if he had, if he, he was, had control of Giorgio, Giorgio would have been locked up, he, uh, definitely limited in her context. He was the one that tried to help her with her, uh, you know, her mental aberrations she was having there towards the end of the season because she because he was fascinated by it, right. not because he cared. But, I, but he certainly wasn't afraid of it. So remind me, they're making a Section 31 spinoff, right? Yes, they which are. is why, why she has to go back to the, to the past. Right, yeah. So in, in Season 3, um, I don't know if I would say she becomes sick, but um, the, with the phasing of time and her being from another dimension, her yeah. body can't take that. So she ends up uh, stepping through a, a, a gateway, which we talked about in an earlier podcast, uh, to go back and basically save her life, but she's going to be part of Section 31 yeah. in that new dimension where she goes back to, uh, and they're going to do a series off of that, which I'm excited about because I, I think um, I, I like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked her up to the point to the end because even to the very bitter end, mm -hmm. she was still a smartass. I know. Well, to the very bitter end, Bill and I were talking about how are they going to do this because we knew about the Section 31 spinoff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even before that they went in the future. Right. And it's like, all of a sudden they took Georgia in the future. So Bill and I, and a lot of Star Trek fans knew mm -hmm. that she has to come back because section 31 is in the past. And it's like, um, now, now we know it's right. like, 
And it's like, I kind of feel like it's a woke Giorgio, a Giorgio that actually has a conscience. Right? Right. I like that. Right? It makes the character more complex. And, right. and I will say, I didn't I didn't know um, anything really about Section 31 going into Star Trek Discovery, but I have a completely different view of Starfleet now and, and how they operate and whether or not it's all... For the good. For the good. Yeah. Um, they clearly have a, a, a division like most people will have where there's just no red tape. Uh, I think I put a comment in Discord the other day where it's like, so it's like there's CIA black ops or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It is what Section 31 is. I, I honestly... Uh, I could go for that. I think it'll be a nice change of, of Starfleet um, and, and what they represent. They've um, had it for, the, it was an Enterprise, it was in DS9, uh, but they never used it as much as I felt they should. It's like, because there's Section 31 is kind of cool. So mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to wonder if the Section 31 we're going to see. Um, so obviously she's going back to the time frame from which she came from. Right, because that's the yep. only way she's going to be able to survive, because she's from this other dimension. So you can't be from another dimension and in another time, and and survive. So she'll be going back to the time frame that she's from. Now we know that that time frame is about ten years before the time of Kirk and Spock. So there's a lot of time period there of Kirk and Spock where a lot of things happened in the Star Trek universe. And I, I have to wonder now if maybe we will see some things set up that sort of, you know, it's like, oh, here's the rest of the story. So you know the story of Kirk mm-hmm. and Spock in this particular episode, but here's something that you didn't know that transpired to set that whole thing up. And I think that would be very cool if they did some things like that. Oh, you mean like, like retconning some plot holes? Yeah. With, uh, with yeah. Giorgio? Right. Or not, or not even, you know, maybe not even necessarily, it doesn't always necessarily have to be retconning plot holes, but maybe just something that, you know, something happened or there's, you know, uh, something going on between two species, some war or something like that. And then we find out that, that war was maybe set up by something that happened that Section 31 did, you know, uh, 10 years earlier. And that led to this problem that Kirk and Spock had to face. I think that would be kind of kind of cool, too. I don't I don't necessarily think, you know, that should be every episode, but an episode or two like that, maybe even that would be nice. One, yeah would be kind of cool where you see oh this kind of ties in perfectly to this whole episode um i think that would be kind of cool how does georgia own to like the really ultimate star trek fans it really is yeah right how does georgia not wreck the timeline though i mean she she probably knows everything that's going to happen for the next thousand years i was just literally just thinking about that and um it'll be interesting to see maybe how they write that in or a personal struggle she deals with not trying to change something. Yeah, um, it could be. Although yeah. does she have, just because she jumped forward a thousand years into the future, doesn't mean she knows everything that happened. I mean, she knows there was a burn, but she doesn't know necessarily what caused the burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not really anything she can do to change the fact that the burn's going to happen because she doesn't know what caused it. She was in sick bay a lot, and I think that she might have just you know gone through the library, found out all the really neat, interesting stuff. It's possible. Anything's possible. I'm sure if they wanted to do a story on that, they could. 
uh, they could say, well, she, you know, she knows so something. You think that the, the guardian at the edge of forever sent her back to the, the, the where she was before? Yes. Because Why? otherwise, because the whole uh, uh, plot of that episode was yeah. that being out of time and space. So right. she has to be back in the time. Right. So, the only way she, they can't put her back in the space. Right. You have to be one or the other. You can't be both. So you can be from the mirror universe in your same time, or you can be from a different time period in your own universe and your body can adjust, but your body can't handle both. Speaking so of out of time. Yeah. Yeah. We so are. She would have to go back to where we were from, where she was from uh, temporally. Well, uh, some good discussion today. Thank all of you for watching again, another episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time where we'll have some more interesting discussion about the latest yeah. uh, goings on in the sci-fi fantasy and horror universe. Be sure to keep, uh, keep your updates current on all of your penis cages. <laughs> make sure you're applying all your latest patches and make, make sure all the patches, your yes. passwords. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see you uh, in two weeks uncaged. Catch y'all. Oh later. my God. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.